The following message is brought to you by Champions Church. For more information, please visit champschurch.com. I want to get into the word this morning. Uh, I had a, an odd morning this morning. I have an odd week or a couple of weeks. You ever have just like, like an odd stretch? And, and you know, uh, there's a time where you have those things and, and they start off and you begin to, to think things like, you know, you know, not today, Satan, and all that. You know, you see those stickers on cars and things. And you, you have those and then it, it, it continues and you begin to think like, you know, what's the deal with this? And then it continues even further. And, and then you come to a place where you start to ask God, what are you doing? Which I think is really where God is getting us. He's taking us to the God, what are you doing uh, place. And he's getting us there on purpose because God is at work. He's doing things. He's doing things in my life. He's doing things in your life. Most of the time, the, that education process or that, that being led into those uh, scenarios or those situations uh, isn't always pleasant or enjoyable. In fact, it can be stressful, it can be a strain. But I want to get into the Word this morning and look at a few things because I, I think we'll find a fresh perspective uh, on some passages that we may uh, be uh, well acquainted with and get a new application this morning. So here's a few things. If you're taking notes, things to take down. You can jot down a few notes. Uh, if you, uh, if you uh, have note-taking materials, I always encourage that. Uh, I really believe that God is speaking to us individually as well as a congregation. So uh, one of the things we're going to find is what we need to be looking for. Now, what we need to be looking for, and, and that's in anything, in any situation or any kind of a, a circumstance, uh, there are things that we need to be looking for in that situation or in that circumstance. I'm pretty bad about this one, actually. I'll be so distracted by what's right in front of my face that I'll forget to look for what the Word instructs me to look for, and we'll see what that is in the Word in just a moment. Another thing that we're going to find is what delights your soul. Now, I failed to do this in my notes. I wanted to look up the word delight, like in the dictionary, because I thought, I think I know what that means, but I'm not sure. But I want to ask you, just for a moment, to ask yourself, and you don't answer out loud, just think in your mind, what, what does that mean? What does delight mean? If something is delightful or something brings delight, what, what's the delight? Now, for me, in my world, it's something that is, is good. I mean, it's, it's not bad. There's nothing bad about it or else it wouldn't be delightful. Everything about it is good. If, if I were to, to have someone over to the house and they were to sit down, they were to enjoy a meal and fellowship, and then they were to get up and they were to, to go back to their home and they said, thank you, I had a delightful evening, or something like that. What they would be communicating was everything about this was enjoyable. So when I see something in the scripture that involves delight, I, I want to look at that. It, it just means that everything about this is good. We're going to find out what brings everything good into our soul. Now, your soul being in the, you know, the realm of your mind, uh, it makes you who you are, your personality, your will, and your imagination, your, your emotions, your intelligence, those are things that, that make up who you are. Uh, not necessarily DNA or biological, but it's what God weaves together to make you the person that you are. So we're going to find what delights your soul. A third thing we're going to find is why we are able to take our problems to God. Why we're able to take our problems to God. 
And it's, it's pretty simple, but simple isn't always easy. Uh, oftentimes, we complicate things uh, for one reason or another. So if you have your Bibles there, I want to get right into the Word. I want to move quickly through the Word this morning, and I, I want to do so by just being efficient. So if we have our Bibles, I want to ask you to turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse 25. Uh, It reads like this, Jesus is speaking, and he says, For this reason I say to you, don't be worried about your life, as to what you'll eat or drink or what you're going to clothe yourself with. Uh, Is life not more than, than, than food and clothing? And then Jesus says this, Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? It goes on to say, and and who of you being worried can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about the things that you're worried about? Observe the lilies and how they grow. They don't toil, they don't spin, and yet not even King Solomon in all of his glory was clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass in the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is cut down and thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, don't worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear? For these are the things that the world seeks. Your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Well, if you're like me, that felt like story time at the library, right? That's a lot of reading. But there's a lot of content there that's worth taking a look at. I want to take a few pieces out of that and and just look at them. There's one aspect of this that I think is really important. In fact, I think it's probably the most important thing to take from this. And it might not be the thing that sticks out to you, but it sticks out to me. There's a passage here where Jesus is speaking, and he identifies that God knows what you need. Now, I think that's a really great thing to have added in here because Jesus isn't bringing a message saying, hey, don't worry about these things. Don't worry about these things. It's no problem. He's not communicating you don't have any needs. What he's saying is don't let the worry and the anxiety be the driving force in your life. God knows you need that. So that helps me when I read that because I realize that that it's okay to have needs. I have things in my life that I need. I'm not trying to live my life as if it's already met. I'm living my life as if God is meeting those needs in real time. So when Jesus acknowledges that God knows your needs, that helps me with something. It helps me to understand that my needs are real and that my needs are okay, that they're biblical. Now, what I do with that is is going to be the difference between living my life by the word or living my life through some other way. We have a call to not let these needs become the prevailing force in our thinking and in our pursuit. Jesus says God knows all of your needs, and then he says, but. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. I mean, what Jesus is talking about here is about our our thought life and about our focus. And if our thought life and our focus is given to the needs that we have in our life, and those needs are righteous... If the thought life and if the the focus is given to the needs, then we're going to be distracted from God. 
We'll be distracted from his calling on our lives, his anointing that he's placed upon us, the wonderful purpose that he has for us. And it's that distraction that will bring about frustration, not the need itself, but rather the distraction that create, is created by the need. Uh, Luke says a similar thing about seeking God's kingdom in, in a different uh, uh, way of saying it. Luke chapter 12, verses 31 and 32. Again, it opens with but. Like this is, in, in, rather than focus on your need, we should focus on the kingdom of God. But seek first his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Jesus goes on to say, don't be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen to give you the kingdom. So I, I want to pause here for a second and just acknowledge where we're at as we move forward. I, I told you we're going to move quickly. That every one of us in the room here has needs. We need to see God move in one way, shape, or form in our life. The question that we would have then is, what do we do with those needs? What the Word's telling us to do is not to let those needs prevail in our thinking. Now, I, you don't have to raise your hand or answer yes, but, but I want to ask a question. It's a bit of a rhetorical question. Have you ever found yourself overwhelmed or overcome in your thinking with a need? I mean, I, I, have. I have. I have found myself, it's been so present in my mind, it's woken me up out of deep sleep before. Have you ever had one of those where you're, you're sacked out, you're sawing logs, and all of a sudden you're awake, you feel that butterfly in your stomach, and your mind's going 90 miles a minute because you're thinking about a situation or a circumstance that has you worried or filled with anxiety. So those are things that, that can take place. The question is, where do we go with that when we have it? How do we keep those things from becoming a prevailing force in our life? How do we keep from focusing on the need, which is attempting to be a distraction from the kingdom? How can we actually fulfill the scripture and seek first God's kingdom? Well, I think it's helpful, first of all, to realize what worry actually produces, or what it doesn't produce, rather. I want to give you a few of those things from the scripture. Uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 25. Luke chapter 12, verse 25, Jesus is speaking and he, he talks about worry in this case. Whether you want to use the word anxiety or fear or worry, we're all on the same page with what we're talking about. And, and Jesus makes this comment. I want to read what he says and then I'd like to take a moment and, and read between the lines a little bit. He says, which of you by worrying can add a single hour to his lifespan? So I hear that and I read that and I think, okay, so worry doesn't make you live longer, right? I mean, that's, that's what he's saying. But I take a moment and I read between the lines there. And I want to just ask this question. I mean, the idea that Jesus is saying this, he's talking about, you know, the life and the span of life. But he's also talking about the, the life that we live within that span. Which of you can add anything to your life by worrying? I know that's taking some liberties and reading a bit between the lines, but I'm trying to evaluate my own life and the time that I've spent in worry or the time that I've spent frustrated about situations or circumstances, and I ask myself, did that situation or circumstance improve in any way, shape, or form because I worried? My answer is going to be a hard no. It never improved, never moved closer to its solution because of worry or anxiety. It moved closer to its solution because of whatever was needed to minister to that problem or whatever was needed to minister to that situation. But the worry and the anxiety are attempts to bring a paralysis to prevent solution and to keep bogged down and to prevent anything from increasing, prospering, or, or improving. I want to give you a, another passage of scripture here. Now, this one 
is one that, that involves worry. Jesus is speaking here, and he's talking about uh, the Scripture. He's talking about the Word of God. Now, the Word of God, we would declare and all agree together, is, is the, the power of God to save in the sense that the Scripture says that we shouldn't be ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to save. We have the word of God as the infallible truth that's revealed to us. Jesus himself, by name, is named the word with a capital W, the word of God. We have all of these evidences and truths that the word of God is powerful and effective in our life. And as Jesus is talking about the word, he's talking about the word entering into your life. And he mentions that there's something that can keep it from being effective. Now, if there's something that can keep the Word of God from being effective in my life, I want to know about it so that I can do everything in my power to prevent that thing from being present in my life. I want the Word of God to be effective. So I want to give you this passage of Scripture here. Jesus is speaking, and he's comparing the Word of God to seed being sown. And he says there's, there's a group of people who are ones like where the seed is sown among thorns and weeds. And when this person hears the word of God, the worries of the world, along with other things, cause the word to be unfruitful. So another translation would read like this. And one who has the seed sown in their life, this is one who hears the word, and the worry of the world and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out the word, and it becomes unfruitful. The point is, is that the worries in the world can strangle out and choke out the very word of God from being effective in your life. Now, when we worry, we're we're exalting a problem or a situation. And the question is, what are we exalting it above? We're exalting it above maybe our means, our our situation. We're exalting it above uh, our, our mentality or what we can see that might prevail And in every single case for the believer, when we worry, we're exalting that problem above God himself. To give that problem the power and the authority to affect our minds and our hearts is to alienate or to cast aside the power that God has placed present in our lives through the Holy Spirit to prevail in our thinking. So when we get to a a passage of scripture here in a moment, I want us to focus on what God is bringing into our life through the word and why it's important that we prevent worry from choking it out. I want to give you a third thing here that, that worry does. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25. Proverbs 12, 25, it says, worry in a man's heart weighs it down. There's another half to this proverb, and I want to read it in a moment, but I want to pause there and just ask, have you ever felt that? Like you're in a situation, or there's some set of circumstances where worry exists, and it brings a a sensation or a feeling that is best described as being weighed down uh, in your heart. Uh, It can have uh, manifestations even physically in your body or or, or through your mind, affecting your thoughts. I mean, these are real serious things here, and God's bringing solution to these serious things by his word teaching us and leading us into what we need to do to be free from this. I mean, if something has the the power, if it's not going to add anything to my life, and it's going to weigh down my heart, and it has the potential to let everything that's in the word of God be unfruitful in my life, I don't want that thing. I want to devote my life to the purging of that thing from being in my life, in my mind, in my heart, in my household. I want to be a worry-free person. 
I want to be a person who delivers others from worry. And I want to surround myself from people who have been delivered from that thing that's so destructive. I want to give you a passage of scripture here about the the power of the, the word of God. First of all, let me give you this passage from the Psalms. Psalm 94, 19. Psalm 94, 19 addresses worry and it addresses worry with a solution. Now we know worry doesn't add anything to your life. We know that that worry has this potential and this power to strangle out even the word of God from being effective in your life. And we see that worry can weigh down the heart. So now here comes the solution to worry from the psalm. Psalm 94, 19. Some translations may read, when my anxious thoughts multiply within me, or when worries multiply within me, your consolations delight my soul. I mentioned before we're going to find out what delights your soul. Here, here it is in the Psalms. The consolations of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I can't remember the last time I used the word consolation. I mean, it's not a word that's in my everyday vocabulary. Uh, honestly, when I think of the word consolation, I think of like what you give someone who lost on a game show, Right? And for all of those contestants who played with us today, we have some lovely consolation prizes. I mean, it's basically the word console is in there, right? So they're basically wanting to just say, hey, hang in there, better luck next time, you know. Somebody's dealing with a frustrating situation, and this is meant to cheer them up. And what we see here is when anxious thoughts or when worry multiplies within us, God brings something, his word delights our soul by bringing consolation. He consoles us. Here's some things that he consoles us with. I'll I'll give you a passage of scripture here. Uh, Let me give you this one out of Isaiah, Isaiah 35, 2 2 through 6. It's, It's a statement toward you and toward me, all because of Jesus, that God will come and he will make good on his word. It says, they'll see the glory of God, the majesty of our God. Those who are exhausted should be encouraged. Those who are weak should should be strengthened. Those who are worrying should hear, take courage, and fear not. Behold, God will come, and God will deliver. I mean, that's an encouraging word. That's an encouraging word that we need to receive from the Scripture, and then we need to freely give as it was freely given to us. When we see those around us that are are weighed down in their hearts with worry, when we see those around us where the word of God is having no effect because of worry, when we see those around us who aren't adding anything productive to a situation or a circumstance because of worry, we can bring the, the word of consolation into their life by quoting and saying even the things that we just read, that God is present. We can carry the encouragement that can set free from the anxiety. I'll give you another passage of scripture here. It's from Philippians chapter 4. Beginning in verse 4, it's a call to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. And let your gentleness be known before all. The Lord is near, and be anxious or worry for nothing. But in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Goes on to say, finally, whatever is is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good reputation, uh, if there's any excellence in anything, anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. 
When I consider this passage of scripture, this call to be free from worry or care or anxiety, I see this instruction to be careful what I look at, focus on, what I give my attention to. I mean, it's one thing to be told, well, pray about it. Well, oftentimes when I've prayed about my situations, I find myself talking more about my situation. And all I'm doing is running it over and over in my head. When I don't think that the call here is to pray about it, I think we're supposed to do something with it, and we'll see what that thing is in just a moment. But this call here is to be mindful of what we focus on. That call to be anxious for nothing, but to to respond with thanksgiving, to focus on everything that is right and everything that is just, everything that is pure and everything that is is righteous and clean and above uh, uh, reproach of good reputation, all of these things, these are the things that we're meant to fix our eyes on. And what we focus on is going to be what we pursue. What we give our attention to will be what we pursue. Now, this is a a little bit of a, a goofy story. But I remember as a, a young man, you would, my parents would be arrested today if, if they were to do today what they did. But I think that's kind of every parent, right? I mean, it's changed a lot. But so here's what would happen. I, I've got two sons, and they're uh, 12 years old. And when I was a little younger than them, I would be, uh, I could go and work. I always liked to work, and I would work on farms and plow fields and and I remember my family would, would take me to the bus station, the Greyhound bus station. You ever been to a Greyhound bus station? Yeah, it's a fun place, right? If you like, like the circus and the, you know, it's, it's, it's an interesting place to be, right? So the Greyhound bus station, and I would be handed a bus ticket, and I would be uh, told, watch that clock over there, and when, when it turns, you know, such and such time, get on your bus, and, and it's going to take you to where you're going. And then my parents would, would leave. I don't know that you can really do that today with your children, but then I guess it was okay. So I remember I would get put on the bus, and I would go, and then I would be picked up, and then I would, would be taken, and one of my jobs was to, to plow fields. I'd get on a tractor and, and plow fields. Now, I don't know if you've ever done any farming work or anything like that, but it's, it's very tedious work, and, and it requires constant attention. So by the end of the day, your shoulder and your neck hurt because you're not driving a tractor like this, you're driving it like this. You're looking over your shoulder and you're watching your, your, your plow, you're watching your implement the whole time. Now, there's something that I realized when I was young. If I turn my head this way, I turn everything that way. And you could get to the end of the, the field and you could just see, hey, this guy, he, he's not getting it, he's not going straight. Well, the the point is there is whatever you focus on is going to be the direction you go in. I mean, naturally, if I were to turn my head to the side here and walk across the room, I'm sure I would, 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 my natural inclination would be to veer off that direction. Whatever you focus on is going to be the direction you move in. And when I see Paul's writing here as it concerns worry, he's saying, hey, be careful what you focus on. If you focus on the problem, you're just going to move deeper into the problem. But if you'll focus on the things that are of God, if you'll focus on the things that are of good reputation, he gives that list there. By the way, that list describes 100% Jesus. Honorable, right, pure, lovely, of good reputation, Excellent. Worthy of praise. Sound like Jesus to you? Sounds like Jesus to me. If we'll fix our eyes on those things, we will move toward those things. Honestly, I believe that's how you seek first the kingdom. 
I mean, I've told this before because it used to be a joke. Now it's just something I repeat all the time. But when I was a kid, I, I used to look at the maps in the back of my Bible, and I would really look for the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God is not a, a place on the map. It, it's not a, a, a piece of dirt. Rather, it's anywhere that Jesus rules and reigns. And when we focus on Jesus, we're seeking first that kingdom, his rule and his reign in whatever situation, in whatever circumstance that we may deal or face. I want to give you a, a, a powerful word of consolation. You know, we, we read before that when, when worries can rise up in my heart, uh, your consolations delight my soul. Delight meaning there's nothing bad in it. It brings everything good into my soul. I want to give you one of these that we can, can hold on to in a situation where worry may pop into our minds. I want to give you a passage from Isaiah. Isaiah 41, I want to look at verses 9 through 10. And I want you to understand that this verse is talking about you. So as God is speaking and he's revealing his word, here is his word for you. No matter where you've been, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through, this is his word for you. I have chosen you and not rejected you. Do not fear, I am with you. Do not anxiously look around you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will surely help you, and surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's a pretty powerful promise. Now these are the passages of scripture that, that I think are the ones that are meant to be uh, uh, put to memory so that they can be called upon in times of, of trial or tribulation, worry or doubt. To recall and to know that God has chosen and not rejected. To know that he's near and he's not far. To know that he is our God. That he has decided upon that himself and brought it into existence through Jesus. To know that he will surely strengthen and he will surely help. To know that he will deliver by his own hand. That's pretty powerful no matter what you're dealing with. I mean, honestly, that's kind of a cures what ails you situation there. No matter what you face or what you deal with, there's your solution. I mentioned before we're going to, to find out why we're able to take our problems to God. Sometimes that's a hard thing to do, to take our problems. But there's a reason why we're able to take our problems to God. I want to give you a passage of scripture here from 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 5, I want to look at verses 6 and 7. It reads like this, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Cast all of your worry on him because he cares for you. I mean, that because there reveals why, why we can cast all of our worries, why we can take those things to God, why we can hand them off to him. What a powerful truth to come into the awareness that God cares about your life. I mean, in any trial, in any tribulation, in any circumstance where worry, where fear, where doubt exists, the solution to handing off that worry, handing off that fear, handing off that doubt over to God is first realizing that God cares about you, that he hasn't forgotten you, that he loves you, that he's present, that he's near. Everything that we read from Isaiah. 
Realizing that God cares for you brings us to the place where we know we can offer unto him all of those problems and all of those worries and doubts that we're carrying around. You know, this passage of scripture is really interesting to me in that it opens up with this call to humble ourselves. I don't know that I've been very good in my youth with handing off my problems to God. I've been very confident in my ability to manage them and my ability to find solution to them. And so God, in all of his, his goodness and all of his faithfulness and all of his commitment to make my life better has done something fantastic. You want to know what he's done? He's made my problems so that I can't manage them. He's made my problems so that they become so monumentally colossal that I can't manage them. And I will waste my time thinking it's the devil when all in reality it's God and he's teaching me not to rely on myself because myself is very, very limited even though my opinion of myself might be a little higher than that. I'm very, very limited. And he is showing me his love and his affection, his power and his authority. And until I can humble myself, until I can open my heart and cast my problems on him, I have a feeling he will continue to make those problems bigger and 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 bigger, and bigger until I can't handle it anymore and I have to hand them off to him. Because God will get the glory. There will not be solution where my statement will be, praise Preston. It will always be, praise God. Praise God. God is leading us and he's guiding us to a place where our lives are free from that worry and that anxiety, one deliverance after another. And he's doing so in a powerful way because he cares for us. He cares too much to leave us in a place where we remain self-reliant and self-sufficient. And he's leading us and guiding us to the only source of true, absolute freedom, liberty, and deliverance. And that is in his presence. I want to close with this thought. I mentioned before that praying about my problems before didn't seem to produce what the word is saying there. The peace that surpasses all understanding. The prayer starts with great intentions. And then the more that the prayer goes, the more I'm focusing on the problem, talking about the problem, and addressing the problem. When I don't think that the word has called us to pray about our problems, rather the word has called us to give our problems to God. Or as it says in 1 Peter where we just read, cast your anxiety on him. There's a big difference between praying about my problem and casting my anxiety on God. I mean, if I were to, to you know, want to, to pray about this microphone, you know, I could pray about it. Father, this microphone is, uh, it needs attention. It needs help. It has this issue. Uh, sometimes whoever holds it just talks forever and ever and ever and ever. It's like they never stop. And, and I'm just focusing on the problem. I'm just relaying the problem. But if I were to cast this microphone onto God, I would have to let it leave my possession. Or else I'm just letting him touch it too. I literally would have to let it leave my possession. I would have to let it go and let God take hold of it. And that's what I see God instructing us to do in the word as it concerns problems. Not just to pray about them and then be at peace. Tried that. 
and not really a fan of the results. But I need to humble my heart, stop being such a micromanager of my own life and be willing to release those issues to God, knowing that he cares for me. He has my best interests in mind. Though the, the process might not be desirable to me, the outcome will be ultimately amazing because he cares for me. I want to ask you to stand with me this morning. I mentioned, you know, having days that were unusually hectic or busy, even this morning, was, was flying around. It started at sunup and has been going from one place to the other, handling uh, uh, frustrating situations and circumstances. And then to come here and be in a place where the, it's important to focus on what matters, you begin to see how all of those problems are attempting to be distractions. And we could always justify the importance. I mean, there have been many family meals that I've missed or, or birthdays or anniversaries because I've had an emergency. Isn't it funny how there's always an emergency? Isn't it funny how there's always something urgent? I can tell you, according to what Jesus said, there always will be. When he said, don't worry about tomorrow, tomorrow has enough of, of its own. It'll take care of itself. Every day has trouble of its own. He's telling us something. He's telling us about that trouble being present, not just so that we can think uh, along the lines of, well, great, now I just know every day is going to have trouble. But I think he's uncovering the devious nature of that trouble. That it's not the trouble itself that's the problem. Rather, it's letting the trouble be in control. Letting the trouble control your thoughts. Letting the trouble be a distraction. Letting the trouble keep you from the things that matter. Marriage and family and, and above all else, God. But we can spend our lives thinking that we have, have accomplished something great because we've put out so many fires and handled so many problems and handled so many issues and look back and realize that we missed the point. We missed the priority. We miss the things that mattered. We give people awards for, for managing problems and things like that. And, and I'm glad that we have people that, that are present to, to help and, and bring solutions. But what I want us to focus on individually this morning is not the idea that we deal with situations or circumstances, but the idea that those situations and circumstances have the ability to distract us from what matters. And if we walk away with anything this morning, this would be what I hope we walk away with, that we will evaluate the matters that we deal with and that we will seek first the kingdom of God, that we'll focus on what God is doing and not what the problems are saying. And I think it's a simple and easy thing. I don't think that you, you have to make it overly complicated, but no matter what we face or deal with, we can simply ask the question, God, what are you doing? What are you doing in this? What are you doing in my marriage? What are you doing with my sons? What are you doing in the workplace? What are you doing in, in that relationship, in that fellowship? What are you doing in the church? I want to know what you're doing so that I won't be distracted by anything else. And I want to cast all of the worry and all of the anxiety onto you. I don't want to hold on to it. I want to let go of it. I want you to take it all. I want to release it. And I want to know 
that it's going to be okay because you care for me. You'll uphold me with your hand. You'll deliver. You haven't rejected. You haven't forsaken. You haven't forgotten. But you're present. You're near. You are my God. That's how I want us to handle those things. So I want to pray this morning and ask God to do a work in our hearts and our minds that we might take the word and apply it and that we might seek first God in the things that we deal with. There where you stand, you're you're welcome to be in a state of agreement or simply receiving. Father, we bless your name and we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that you bring into our lives to set us free. We ask, Father, that Jesus be exalted in our living, that your Holy Spirit be embraced in every aspect of our being. We give you thanks for your presence. We rejoice, Father, that you're near here and now to do a work in our hearts and in our minds that we might continue to serve and establish your kingdom, that we might continue to walk in our calling and anointing. Father, we ask now together, will you teach us and lead us by your word, through your spirit, how to handle anxiety and worry, that we wouldn't be distracted by the cares of this world. We want your word to be effective in every aspect of our lives, not just in our lives, but through our lives, into the lives of others. We renounce giving to worry and anxiety, the improper place. And we ask, Father, by your grace, will you teach us and show us how to cast those things onto you, that we could humble our hearts and let go, trusting and knowing that you care for us and that you will fulfill every one of your promises to lead us, to grow us, and to establish us in your kingdom. We bless your name and we thank you, Father. We rejoice that in you we're free from all care anxiety and worry, and that we can celebrate with thanksgiving all that you've done on our behalf through Jesus Christ. We bless your name and we thank you. Keep our priorities straight that we might walk in our calling as the saints. We bless you and we rejoice in you in the mighty name of Jesus and all the saints declared, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Champions Church. We invite you to join us this Sunday for our celebration worship service. For more information, please visit us at jameschurch.com.